So we're going to start a new Purim Mimer this morning. By way of introduction, Chazal praised Purim over all other Yamim Tevim. They said that when Mashiach comes, call Hamayadim Bitalim. All of the other Yamim Tevim will become battle. Except for Purim. This is something which is very difficult to understand. How is Purim better than all of the other holidays? Was the nace, the miracle of Purim, greater than the miracle of Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim? The spiritual level that the Jews attained with Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim was certainly far greater than the spiritual level that the Jews achieved on Purim. And we see, as we mentioned in the last Mimer we learned, this reflected in a certain way in the holiday of Pesach. The Yom Tov of Pesach is a Yom Tov which is Asur Ba'asiyas Melacha. You're not allowed to do any work. Like every Shabbos and like most Yomim Tevim. And in contrast, Purim is a time when you are allowed to do work. And nevertheless, it's specifically Purim that is not going to be negated when Mashiach comes. And in this Mimer, the Mimer will explain a deep and wonderful idea. The novelty that will happen when Mashiach comes, what's going to be special and different about Mashiach? How does the time of Mashiach differ from the time that we're currently in? The novelty then is going to be that when Mashiach comes, there will be a revelation of godliness in the world in a physical and practical way. What does that mean? So here we come to a very deep idea and a central idea in Chassidus. We all know that there's a Seder Hishtalshlus in the way that Hashem created the world. You could compare it to a cone, an upside-down pyramid, that at its beginning, it's very wide and great in the revelation of godliness and the spirituality on the highest levels, but as you go down, it narrows. It becomes more and more diminished until it reaches the very bottom, just a little point, a tiny drop of godliness. The lower you are in level, the less revealed godliness you're connecting to. 
the less revealed godliness is relevant to you. The seemingly <coughs> obvious conclusion that one would reach because of this is to be an aesthetic is a positive quality in the service of Hashem. Aesthetic? To be removed, separated from physicality. The more one is disconnected from the world, the more one is connected to godliness. There's a story that the Friedrich Rebbe related visiting a certain place in Europe together with his father, the Rebbe Rashab. And over there in that place, there was a certain person, he was called a Parush. There were certain Prushim during one era in our Galus. The idea of a Parush was somebody who lived his life completely separated from all physicality. Now, in this place, there was a parish who had lived over there. That he lived in a small room off of the base medrash. It was a room which was bare from anything except for a block of wood that he would sit and shuckle back and forth on this block of wood, so much so that his imprint became carved into the block of wood. And he would never leave the room. Food and drink would be passed in to him, just dry bread and water, that's all that he ate. And he sat over there and he studied and he prayed all the days of his life. The Rebbe Rashab walked into this room together with the Fidik Rebbe to see where he was. The block of wood was there. The little block of table where he would put his fur. And just like a bare room with hardly anything in it. The Rebbe Rashab looked around the room, feeling the energy of the person who lived there. And he commented to his son, the Vedika Rebbe, he said, He said, he lived like a mensch, this man. <laughs> What's a mensch? A mensch is someone who's not involved in the physicality of this world. The more potatoes we eat, the more cake we have, the more pizza we ingest, the more we have the tanugim, the pleasures of this world. A comfortable pillow, a comfortable mattress, a fancy car, whatever it might be. The more we have the tanugim of this world, the more separated we are from menschlichkeit. What's menschlichkeit? Menschlichkeit is our ability to be connected to God.
Okay, because we're going to see. Now, this is despite the fact that clearly Hashem wanted that we should be involved in drawing godliness into the world. And that's why the physical, practical mitzvahs were given to us. That the fulfillment of most of the mitzvahs of the Torah are in physical things. We make tefillin out of leather, out of cloth, the skin of an animal, out of ink. We make tzitzis out of wool. We make matzah out of flour and water. Lulav and estrig are physical entities, and so on and so forth. Most of the mitzvahs, if not all of them, are connected to physicality because Hashem wants that we should be here living in this physical world and draw godliness here into the world. Nevertheless, and also this is despite the fact that we're instructed, everything that you do should be for the sake of heaven. That Hashem wants that we should sleep and perhaps on a comfortable bed. But why do you sleep in a comfortable bed? So that you should wake up in the morning on time with a lot of kayach. With a lot of strength, with a lot of energy. With a lot of power to serve Hashem. That you should be by chesidus on time and you should be able to serve Hashem with energy and excitement and joy. So Hashem does want us to be here inside of this world. Nevertheless, at the end of the day, the more comfortable our mattress is, the less comfortable our connection to Hashem is. Can you compare the spiritual level of a person who is completely separated from this physical world? He's involved all of his days in Torah and Aveda with the spiritual level of a person who indeed is a shamer Torah mitzvah. He does what he's supposed to do, but he's very much engaged in the world. Can you compare the two? As much as you're going to be involved in the world, the more potatoes you're going to eat, the less connected you are to spirituality. Comes along the Alter Rebbe and the Alter Rebbe explains in this mimer that it's true. Everything we just said is true. But this is all true in the Ur HaMimale. We're familiar by now with the term Ur HaMimale, the energy of God that comes into the world. And even the Ur HaSeviv as it's contrasted to the Ur HaMimale is the energy of God as it spills over 
beyond the vessels of this world, of Seder Hishtalshos, but it's still a light which is connected to the world. And over there, there's higher and lower. If you're on the bottom end of this cone, then all you have is that little tip. And if you're at the top end of the cone, then you have its wide breadth and depth of revelation of godliness. And wherever you are on this Seder Hishtal that's where your Memali and Makif are relevant. However, and we learned this in the end of the last Mimer in a beautiful insight that the Rebbe explained, why, Purim, you're allowed to do Melacha, you're allowed to do work. With regard to Hashem himself, there's no difference between above and below. You don't have more of Hashem himself in the highest level than you do in the lowest level. Because Hashem himself is everywhere. And it's the same Hashem himself that's on the highest level, that's on the lowest level. In other words, if you were to take the godliness of Atsilus, the highest levels in Seyyidu Hishtalshlus, and transpose them down to Asiya, the lowest levels in Seyyidu Hishtalshlus, what would occur? You'd change Asiya into Atsilus, right? Every level needs its concealment and its energy in order to be what it is. That's the concept of Seder Stashos. That's why Hashem created the world in this, just this way. In order that when we get to the bottom, there should be less godliness and a person works throughout his life and refining himself and lifting himself up and being menatek, separating himself from the physicality of this world. But that's all with regard to Seydish Talshalos. That's all with regard to the Memale and again, the Seydish that contrasts the Memale. But when we're speaking about Hashem himself, to Hashem himself, there is no difference between the highest most level and the lowest most level. On the contrary, Chassidus focuses so much on the statement that Chazal teach us that Hashem wanted to have what are two of the most common words which we have in the Chassidic philosophy, a dira betachtenim. It's here, in the lowest level, where Hashem wants to be himself in the most revealed way, in the most expressed way. In simple words, when Mashiach comes, we won't need to separate ourselves from the physical world anymore. We won't need to climb higher in this cone in order to be able to connect to Hashem. Because the revelation of Hashem's essence will be here in this lowest, most level. More even than it is on the higher levels. Because the dear betachtainim is going to be something that is felt. And as far as godliness, the whole world will be suffused with godliness. 
everywhere you look is going to be permeated, soaked through and through with godliness and the essence of Hashem, because this is going to be his dira. The higher worlds are just going to be there in order that this world should be able to come about. In our Maimah, the Maimah which we're going to learn, the Alter Rebbe specifies both the spiritual work of the holidays throughout the year, that the holidays throughout the year emphasize the Isser of Asiyas Melacha, the necessity to separate ourselves from the world in order to lift ourselves up and refine ourselves and make ourselves vessels for godliness. But on the other hand, it also emphasizes the wonderful, amazing novelty of the holiday of Purim. And this is also reflected in the halachis of Torah, that they too will not be negated when Mashiach comes. And how in them you have the full revelation of Mashiach. Purim is literally a little drop of Geula, a drop of what the world is going to be like when Mashiach comes bringing us to the conclusion that what's demanded of us as chassidim and chassidim chabad who appreciate the Yerbetachtenim, but we're still in Golos, we're still in exile, is two extremes. Until Mashiach comes, when then there will be the covet of Hashem filling the entire world, our life is like a scale, that the more we're engaged in physicality, the more we're separating ourselves from spirituality. It's impossible for a person to feel a gishmak in a slice of pizza now in Galus, and at the same time feel a gishmak in a maimrechsedis. You're not going to have the two simultaneously. One of the reasons why Galus is called a dream is because you could go from one extreme to the other extreme in a snap of a finger, but simultaneously you can't have it. But together with this, we need to know that the ultimate goal, the ultimate objective of everything that we do is that means that we need to expand the limits of holiness, of spirituality, of godliness, the refinement and purification of the world, birr and zichuch. We need to publicize godliness. We need to publicize Yiddishkeit, Judaism, around us and in the entire world. Like Avram Avinu, the first Jew did, who caused that the world itself should call out in the name of God. He caused that the physicality of the world should call out in the name of God. And this is what the world is going to be like when Mashiach comes, when Evan Mikir Tizak, when the stones themselves will call out in the name of God. And in this way, we're paving the path for the time of Mashiach, may it happen immediately that then we're going to merit to see Hashem without any garment, 
ayin ba'ayin yiru, we'll see directly in front of us in this physical world the complete presence of Hashem made happen by Galadidon Mamish. That's the end of the introduction. Now we'll start the Maimer. So the Maimer begins with a Pasuk from the Megillah. It says in the Megillah, Vayeshet HaMelech LaEster is Sharbit Hazav Vatokam Esther Vatamid Lefnei Melech Vagayna. Just as a side note, you have less than a month until Purim. One of the most gishmaka books in to, to learn. Meisha could tell you how gishmak Tanakh is. In general, to read the stories, especially of Nevi'im, are so interesting, they're so fascinating. And then you could develop also an enjoyment and a pleasure in analyzing the psukim of the nevu- of the later Nevi'im and the Ksuvim. But one of the most exciting books to read, it reads literally like a novel, especially if you read the Mayam Leyes, we have several copies of it in Yeshiva. Not just like a novel, but a novel that has uh, all of the exciting parts that you like reading in a novel too. All the different, every different element that makes a novel exciting is there in the story of Purim. You need to read through the Megillah cover to cover. You need to be familiar with its psukim, with its story, with its commentary, with its midrashim. It's just, it's just geschmack. Read through the Mayim layers by all means. And you should try to um, read as much of, you, of it as you can in the original Hebrew. Um, the question which we're going to ask in the beginning of this Mimer, it is relevant to knowing the Psukim inside. And the Mimer is contrasting two times in the story of Purim that Achashverosh stretched out the Sharbit Hazav, his golden scepter, to Esther. The verse that we're quoting over here, that the Melech Achashverosh stretched out to Esther the Sharbet Hazav, and this is when Esther came and fell in front of Achashverosh and said that she is begging for the continuation, for the life, for the continued existence of her nation. And Achashverosh gave her his Sharbet Hazav, his golden scepter, v'atokam Esther v'tamid l'fnei melech, and Esther stood up and and uh, and got up, stood in front of the king, and the mimer begins Lahavin asking a question, a question obviously that will properly answer after we develop the ideas that this mimer is going to explore. Inyan hashinuyim, the idea of the changes shabain parsha zul parsha between this. Parsha, where it speaks about Achashverosh giving her this golden scepter, and the earlier Parsha, where it speaks about Achashverosh giving her the golden golden scepter. The Sham Nemar, over there it says, The king stretched out the golden scepter that was in his hand. This is when Esther HaMelech showed up to the king. Asher loy kados. 
in a way that went against all of the rules. You see, we Jews were always rule breakers, especially when necessity arises. She came in Asher Loi Kadas against the rules. And the rules were that if somebody showed up Asher Loi Kadas and the king did not turn to them in favor, then they exited a head shorter. That was the rule. But here, the king saw Esther standing from afar and therefore he found, she found favor in his eyes, or according to the Medrash, the angels lifted up his hand and he stretched out his golden scepter and she touched the head of the scepter. Vigam Shom Nemar Vatiga Sharbit. Over there too, it says that she touched the head of the scepter. But over here the implication is that he gave her the entire scepter. He gave her the scepter entirely. The Mittler Rebbe explains that according to Pshat, over there, it was just a question of showing her acknowledgement, of giving his approval for her showing up of her showing up in this way. And the way that he showed her approval was, his approval was by the stretching out the scepter, and all she needed to do was touch the head of the scepter. On the other hand, when she fell in front of him in a plea for her nation and saying that, Ami Baba Koshasi, that I have nothing to stand for if the king is going to carry out his decree because my entire nation will get decimated, Rahman Then, in order for her to be able to feel that her request was granted and that she could once again stand, he gave her the whole scepter in order to lift herself up. That's the simple pshat. But we're going to explain this on a much deeper level in the course of this mimer. And again, this is going to come specifically towards the end of the mimer. The mimer says we also have to understand this idea. How does it reflect? How is it expressed in every time? Every subject in Torah. Every single subject in Torah is something which is not just a subject for that time, but it's a subject which is relevant all the time. Even, for example, mitzvahs, which they no longer have a physical relevance now. For example, the Shnei Tmidim, which we read about in the last parsha, that in the time of the Beis HaMikdash, that meant very simply that two animals would be brought on the Mizbeach every single day, one in the morning and one in the afternoon. And nowadays we no longer have a Beis HaMikdash, we no longer have a Mizbeach, we no longer sacrifice animals. But nevertheless, the concept of these two Tmidim still exists very much in our Aveda, as we spoke over Shabbos and discussed And the same is true for every mitzvah in the Torah. And the same is true for every detail in the Torah. 
Everything in Torah the Rebbe told us repeatedly is Torah Milashan Hayra'a. It's a lesson to us. It's an instruction. It's a direction. It's helping us recognize what our our objectives, what our divine service in this life is, how we're supposed to accomplish this service. And therefore, any detail in Torah applies in every single time in all of our lives. So with regard to this, that it says that he stretched out his Sharbat Azov, there must also be some practical relevance nowadays and in that, there must be a practical relevance in the Reish HaSharbit touching the head of the scepter and in the entire Sharbit in having the entire scepter. So the Maimer begins to explain. Hine Knesset Yisrael Nekra'es B'Shem Esther. Knesset Yisrael is called with the name Esther. Why is Knesset Israel called Esther? So we know that the reason for the name Esther, or the hint for the name Esther in the Torah is Al Shem Vanechi Haster Aster Panai Bayemahu. Hashem says Meshra Benu gives over this prophecy in Devarim that Hashem says, I will surely Haster Aster hide my face. On that day. What does that mean? This is a reference to the Yidin, especially in the time of Galus. Hashem, the face of Hashem, the countenance of Hashem. What does it mean, Hashem's face? It means the Pnimius, where Hashem is shining. Like when you see me from the back, you don't see me. You see the darkness. When you see my face, you see my shine. You see, as I'm looking at you, you see the feeling that's coming from me. This is a revelation of Hashem's divine presence. As it says in the verse, Hashem should shine His face to you. This is from Birchas Koyhanim. But this, uh, uh, this defines for us the concept of Panim, of Hashem's face. The Hashem's face is when you have Ya'er, when you have a revelation, when you have a shine of Hashem that's coming to you. Hine, Achshav Bismanagalus, now in a time of exile, Mesuteris, this shine of Hashem is hidden. We don't see the revealed godliness. In the time of the Beis HaMikdash, every Yid went up at least three times a year to the Beis HaMikdash and spent time over there where he was seen and saw godliness in a very practical way. The Beis HaMikdash was a place where you entered and godliness was tangible over there. It was palpable. It was felt. It was practical. But now in a time of exile, when we wake up in the morning, the alarm is ringing or the vecker is 
shaking us and telling us it's time for chesidus. If there was revealed godliness, as it says in Shulchan Aruch, that a person should reflect how the Abishter is hovering over him when he opens up his eyes in the morning and that will help him pull himself out of bed immediately because if he realizes that there is indeed God's presence over there he would say how can I lie in bed when the king of kings is standing over here looking at me it'll cause him to jump out of bed but it's because godliness is hidden and my pillow is very much revealed that I have a tough time pulling my head off of the pillow and putting my feet onto the cold ground. And this is what exile is about. The main idea of exile is the concealment of godliness. This is the main contrast between exile and redemption. It's not about who our king is, who our president is, how much taxes we pay. It's about revealed godliness in contrast to concealed godliness. And furthermore, it says in the verse, Vanechi haster, aster, panai, my face, bayoim hahu, on that day, that bayoim, day, is the idea of the sun shining, revelation, clarity, light. But hahu, that, means it's something which is not here. And that's in contrast to Yoim Hazeh, as it says in the parentheses, we'll read in a moment. This means revealed. That means concealed. You could take a simple example from a person. You are concealed inside of you. You're hidden inside of you. Now, you might choose to share. Perhaps you'll want to sing me a song and express yourself. Perhaps you want to um, uh, draw a picture and express yourself. Do a dance. Say a speech. And in this way, you're revealing yourself through the garments of thought, speech, and action, that they're allowing you to become revealed. What's going to happen if you're in the middle of singing your song and you see Moshe standing over there with his hand over his face, giggling? What are you going to feel? What are you going to feel? Embarrassed. Embarrassed? And what are you going to do? Punch in the face. <laughs> you're going to stop singing. You're going to recoil back inside of yourself. You're going to recoil back to your source inside of you, where you started. And it's going to be covered over by all the layers in between. And you're going to be hidden once again by Yayim Hahu inside of yourself, in that source level. That's what would happen. This is... Obviously, I can't give a proper analogy. This is what happens to Hashem as well. Hashem is brave, so to speak, and reveals Himself to us. If we embrace Him and enjoy Him and appreciate Him,
then there is more and more gilay, there's more and more revelation. But if we scoff and reject and, God forbid, transgress His will, then the Divine Presence recoils back to its source, on this hidden, sublime, concealed level, and leaves us bereft and in a state of concealment and darkness. That's Vanechi Haster Aster in the parentheses. Ki Hahu, that day, Meira al Yem near Evenigla. It indicates a day which is not seen and not revealed. Masha'in Kain Yem Hazeh. This is in contrast to Yem Hazeh, this day. This day means you're pointing at it with your finger. It's right here where we're talking about. V'derech prat b'chol nefesh mi Yisrael. Specifically, this is by every single Jew. Hine kasher b'chinas nitzos nafshoi halekis u'mechusa u'melubash belevushe machshava dibor amaisa gashmim. When the spark, the essence, the pintelayid, that essence of your neshama that exists by every single Jew. No Jew is bereft of it. Every Jew has a pintaliyid which loves Eibishter and loves Torah and loves mitzvahs. But it's often deep inside of them. And it's covered over its mechusa. It's covered over melubash. It's, it's got clothed in the garments of Machshava of the physical actions that a person is doing. In other words, his thought, speech, and action are connected not to godliness. They're connected to something else. Like if I'm expressing myself to you from the depths of my soul, and you're sitting over there on your phone texting, I'm not going to want to express myself to you anymore. I'm not going to have a desire because I'm going to feel like I was rejected. I was rebuffed. And that connection is going to be lost. And to call it out now will take a lot more work. When Hashem or our neshama wants to come out and express itself. And instead of finding expression, of finding connection, of finding a, a match, instead it finds that the thought, speech, and action is engaged in physicality. It feels rebuffed and it recoils and it goes back into its essence. And as a result of this, the light of Hashem does not rest and is not revealed in him. To be grabbed and established in one's mind and in one's heart. The love to Hashem. To cleave to him. Instead, what am I feeling? I'm feeling a gishmak 
in a slice of pizza. It's surrounding him from above, meaning it's outside of the vessels. It's not in me. It's not revealed inside of me. It's hidden and concealed. So This love is called Esther. This is why Esther plays with our emotions in such a poignant way. Whenever we hear the story of Esther, we're all attracted to the beauty and to the sorrow and to the lonesomeness of Esther. Stuck in a palace with a Russia, Mirusha, an animal. And that's where she has to be and that's whom she has to connect to. This is the Knesset Israel. This is our neshama. That's why we connect to her story so deeply. Because we all have this Esther inside of us, this Pintalayid that's stuck in a palace with an animal, a Nefesh Abahamis, an Achashverish. And when we eat a slice of pizza, that's our intimacy with our nefesh abhamis and our nefesh kiss is forced to be connected to it like Esther being intimate with Achashverosh yes that's what it is shehi misuteris bebchinas it's hidden inside of that day she'ena behiskalos it's not revealed. Vihi bechinas nekuda beheichala. It's a, like a level of a drop, a nekuda, a, a little point beheichala in a chamber. Just like a, a, a point is something which is just essential, it doesn't have any expression. So too. This level is a level that's just like a little point, like a seed. Inside of the seed is the power of growth. The tree, its branches, its leaves, its fruit, they're all inside of the seed, but they're inside of the seed in a way of nekuda, of a point. There's no hiskalos, there's no revelation. You can't eat a seed and taste an orange. even though the seed has hundreds, thousands of oranges inside of it, the power for all of them. That's the Nekuda Be'echala. Be'pnimis Nekuda Slibai, deep inside of the point of every Jew's heart. Vadai Misuteresu, it's definitely hidden. Ha'ava Bechol Nefesh Misrael in every single Jew. There's no Jew that ate so much pizza that now he has no longer any nekudas hayadus inside of him. That doesn't happen. It's definitely there inside of every Jew. But the pizza covers it over. The pizza makes it more and more and more concealed. 
ואין לך אדם שאין לי בחינס פנים בחינה פנים עשו. There is no yid that does not have this inner level. אלא בת שלא הצי מההלם אל הגילוי אין אישה ובכל אדם. To allow it to emerge from concealment to revelation is not the same by every person. Some people need a very strong shock treatment to penetrate all of the levels and be able to reach this essence. And for others, it's more just below the surface. V'lachain, and therefore, li'imais ha-Mashiach, when Mashiach comes, Sha'az then Yizdachich Adam, a person will become purified im Yiya Azaiq, I'm sorry, then Yiya Bibchinas Vinigla Kveda Sham Viro Kobasar. Then there will be the revelation of the honor of Hashem and the physicality, the basar, the flesh, the body itself will see godliness. Now I could see godliness with my soul and I could see pizza with my eyes. But when Mashiach comes, I'll see godliness with my eyes. Because then it's not going to be Nister Bayemahu concealed. It's not going to be recoiled inside of me. Then it's going to feel comfortable expressing itself and connecting with godliness. You see the same word, in that day. What's that day? Where is it hidden? It's hidden in the time when Mashiach will come. Because then, on that day, which currently is hidden, but then there's going to be full revelation. And therefore, I'm going to be able to say, then, this is my God. I'm going to be able to point with my finger. This is what I was hoping for. This is what I was waiting for. I'm going to see it with my finger, with my eye. Perush, meaning, the light of Hashem will shine in a revealed way. Until it will be grasped. V'nikva, and established, afilu b'moichai v'seichal anushi, even in our human intellect, even in our physical beings. V'ra'u kol basar, the flesh itself will see, b'ri'yagash mischutshis, with a physical and practical sight. Ki eleikeinu, that our God, who b'chinas ezeh, is this, something that I could point at. This is what I hoped for. It will no longer be Hahu. Now it's Bayaimahu. But when Mashiach comes, it won't be Ahu anymore. We'll stop over here for today. May we experience this immediately now. Lachaim.